I think this is the end of the Republican Civil War, and we have a clear winner if Jim Jordan gets the speakership. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Tuesday, October 17th. Today, we are joined by Abby Livingston to talk about a very big day on Capitol Hill and in politics, because by nightfall, we might finally have a new Speaker of the House after weeks of Republican chaos. And adding even more intrigue to the story, the new Speaker might be Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan, a hard right conservative endorsed by Donald Trump. As Abby explains, Jordan was once called a legislative terrorist, so can he actually lead the House of Representatives? We'll discuss all that and much more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to the powers that be. It is an enormous day on Capitol Hill this Tuesday. There is expected to be a full floor vote on a new speaker, finally, in the House. I'm joined today by Abby Livingston, who has been working the phones furiously all through the weekend, just like Jim Jordan, probably. Abby, I'll start out with the the big question. Is Jim Jordan, a man that you write, Speaker John Boehner once described as a, quote, legislative terrorist, (laughs) a founder of the House Freedom Caucus, is Jim Jordan going to be the next Speaker of the House? I think it's very unclear. He has the same problem Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise had, which is a tiny, tiny margin of a handful of votes. But he is coming in with momentum over the weekend, and um, he is probably going to come closer to getting that gavel than the other two people who've run. It'll be a nail biter to the very end, but he it does feel like he has a sense of momentum. I want to get into uh, why this is so close and why it's still unpredictable, but you are a Capitol Hill expert in a way that I am not. Steve Scalise won a secret ballot vote among Republicans. He didn't get all the Republicans, obviously, the nomination to be the speaker. And then a day later, he dropped out. Can you explain to me and our listeners why somebody who was Kevin McCarthy's number two, he was you know, House Majority Leader, how he goes from winning the nomination in a private vote to dropping out the next day? How does this whole process work in the House? Well, this was an abridged version of what Kevin McCarthy went through a year ago after the midterms, but it just happened to be in 24 hours. So Kevin McCarthy very easily captured a majority of the House conference at the beginning of this term. But the question always was, could he get a majority of the entire House, which that majority would have to include Mm -hmm. House Democrats? And it just became apparent that McCarthy did not have the votes. And so he pretty much pulled himself out of there as quickly and gracefully as he could. Gotcha. And so is there any influence 
from McCarthy himself on any of this? I mean, does he not like Steve Scalise? Is like that one reason? Is he whipping votes behind the scenes for or against anybody? Or is he just sort of checked out? So it's widely reported and it was sort of a conventional wisdom around the Hill that McCarthy and Scalise had an icy relationship over the years. And that's not that Mm. unusual between a speaker and his number two. But it was fairly well interpreted and apparent that McCarthy was very much on Team Jordan on this one. It's just really hard to chop up the Mm -hmm. different camps in this because there are people who are holding out because they supported McCarthy and they resent that this was the end result of taking out McCarthy as the elevation of Jim Jordan. But then there are other McCarthy people who are joining in on Jordan. So there's just no clean way of analyzing how different groups are breaking down in this race. So talk to me about some of the holdouts for Jim Jordan. You know, you reported, and this is in the best and the brightest uh, up today, you reported that Ann Wagner and Mike Rogers, who really don't like Jim Jordan, over the weekend, they came around. Like, why is that? Do they just want to squelch the chaos and be done with this whole thing? Uh, several others came in too, but those are probably the two most prominent. And Ann Wagner was important because she's perceived as an actual, not literal, but a leader in the House, meaning she'll bring friends mm-hmm. along. And Mike Rogers is the armed services chairman. And so then you start getting into issues of Ukraine and where the hawks and the isolation is sort of coming together. But I think when we look back on this, if Jordan gets the speakership or gets very, very close. We're going to look at this weekend as a really brilliant move to send House members home. It's widely interpreted. They heard from their constituents and those constituents Mm. are from the base and they like Jim Mm. Jordan. It also gave just a few more days to exert so much pressure on these. There were about 55 who opposed Jim Jordan in a secret ballot at the end of last week, but it separated them up. So they can't see each other and feel camaraderie. They were back home in their district where they were probably only hearing pro-Jordan arguments. So I think it's been a bit of attrition. I want to get into more of what a Jim Jordan speakership might look like after a quick break. But if there's a vote today, obviously still a question mark. And if Jordan isn't the guy, I mean, what happens after that? (laughs) This is where I just have to stress. We are in such uncharted territory. People like me look back to history for guidance. You'll hear, you know, all through Trump references to Watergate. I I don't know. But if the Republican conference is moving to the right, which it seems to be by the hour, I don't know how the end solution is joining with Democrats, although that looks like logistically the only solution. There's also talk of temporary speakership with Patrick McHenry that turns Mm -hmm. out to be ongoing. But this is confusing and this is strange and it is quite a moment to be involved in American politics. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, as promised, Abby, and come back and ask what Speaker Jordan's tenure might look like if it happens. Hey, Powers That Be listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated list of gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. I use Etsy all the time and have for years. I bought my brother some artwork. I bought my wife some jewelry. I even bought a rug 
for our living room on Etsy. I love it. But there's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for friends and family members around the holidays or birthdays in my life. And sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for a buddy who's just as into Cincinnati sports as I am, a hot cup of Joe, Joe Burrow mug. That's right, I found that on Etsy, it's amazing. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic, try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Welcome back to the Powers That Be, everybody. We're talking about the unprecedented and chaotic vacancy for House Speaker. The Republican caucus has been in disarray, as they say in Washington, in recent weeks, ever since Kevin McCarthy was deposed by, at least with the help of right-wingers in the caucus led by Matt Gates. Um, speaking of right-wingers in the caucus, Jim Jordan, according to your reporting, Abby, is the front-runner. Like, he seems like the most likely speaker. There's still a big asterisk around that. We don't know. Jordan is supported by Donald Trump. He created the House Freedom Caucus. He, you know, wanted to challenge the 2020 election results. He is chairing the Judiciary Committee <laughs> investigating the Biden crime family. I mean, this guy was conservative well before the MAGA trend came around in 2015 and 2016. John Boehner did not like this guy. My question with all of that in mind, Abby, is what does a speakership under him look like? But also, can he transition from being a legislative terrorist, as John Boehner called him, a bomb thrower, to being somebody who can whip votes and talk to the White House and talk to Chuck Schumer? I mean, that just seems like a crazy thought, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, I, I think he's demonstrated quite a bit of strategy in mm -hmm. this to have gotten this far. I don't think many people went to bed last night thinking he would have this much momentum. Mm -hmm. But the last time we had a middle of the term transition from speaker was Boehner to Paul Ryan and everything in the GOP house world sort of stayed intact. It was just a new face in the chair. This is going to be a dramatic, dramatic change. And this mm -hmm. is, I think... I think this is the end of the Republican Civil War, and we have a clear winner mm. if Jim Jordan gets the speakership. I think some of it will take a while to happen. I do not have any indication he'll clean house and chairmanships or anything like mm -hmm. that at this point. But come 2025, when there's a new Congress, maybe he does that. I think you're going to see it's going to be really hard to get Ukraine funding through. I think there's going to be a radical change in that front. I think the mm -hmm. House is going to be constantly at war with the Senate. And I think it is the most interesting place to me is the National Republican Congressional Committee, which is the House GOP campaign arm. And the way the Republican leadership has led for decades is if you're a rank and file member and you want a really good slot on a committee, you raise money and that money will be used to help house races elsewhere in the country so that your party has the majority. Mm -hmm. Jim Jordan has never raised money. He's raised very little. And so now the incentive structure will be formalized that it's better to be a conservative star rather than raise money. So I think the NRCC could take a hit. You know, they could get a new funnel of money in a way I don't see coming. But I cannot underscore enough in every facet of the House Republican world, things will change dramatically after that vote if he wins. Yeah, I mean, that, it seems to be the case. And just to give listeners like a sense of where Jim Jordan is is coming from, I mean, we obviously know him as a 
hard right conservative, but his district, Ohio's fourth, is like outer Columbus suburbs. And then it stretches up toward like Lima, Ohio in the west and then kind of bends toward Lake Erie uh, in the east. And I mean, this is just like prototypical Trump country. It's like a 40 percent rural district, mostly white. It touches on a lot of sort of, you know, struggling Ohio towns that feel left behind. I mean, his district is is like a good example of how Ohio went from a swing state to like a plus 10 Trump state. Uh, and so that is his base. What happens to his investigation, Abby, into Hunter Biden? I mean, he's chairing the Judiciary Committee right now, and he's demanding documents from the IRS, et cetera, et cetera, looking into to Hunter. Does he just hand off all of that paperwork to somebody else? One of the first things that will happen if he becomes speaker is there'll be a replacement at the Judiciary Committee. And I can't remember mm-hmm. the name of the guy they, they expect it to, but it should be a Jordan guy. And so I assume he'll pick up that mantle. But I've not heard any specific discussions in this whole thing about Hunter Biden. But I would just assume if Jim Jordan is Speaker of the House, everything that is political will be put on steroids. The last thing I want to ask you is like just beyond his public reputation, his political reputation. Is he well liked? I mean, is he, you know, like McCarthy obviously had his enemies, but like he was a pretty good operator within the caucus and a lot of people liked him on a personal level. Do you have that sense about Jordan? I think on a personal level, he is as polarizing as it gets. You either really, really love him or you really, really don't. And so um, I, I don't think there's a lot of in between with him. Okay. Well, we will see if those polarizing opinions make him speaker today. Thank you for getting on the horn with us, Abby. It's going to be a busy day for you. Make sure you are caffeinated. Uh, No doubt. Thanks so much, Peter. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.